It's Wednesday in the first week of Advent and the Feast of St. Andrew. Welcome to today's Advent Cast. This is Father John Zilsdorf. Because the Advent weekdays don't have their own texts, we turn to the office of Matins for the Church's deep plunge into the Old Testament. Even though St. Andrew has his own readings in Matins, for this podcast I'll stick with the Advent weekday, with its focus on the role of good or bad leaders, and also the role of women for a holy society. This is Parsha's presentation, Pius Parsh. Today's message is again comminatory. The third chapter of Isaiah consists of two dire pronouncements, divine judgment against the corrupt leaders of the people and against wanton women. The second section describes the ways of wanton women. The Lord of hosts says, Because the daughters of Zion are proud, because they stalk about with outstretched necks and ogling eyes, mincing along with jingling feet, The Lord will smite their heads with baldness and expose their brows. He will take away their spangles, their forehead bands, their half-moons and their earrings and bracelets and bonnets, their headbands, step-chains and shiny sashes, their perfume bottles and amulets, their finger-rings and their nose-rings, their gowns, their cloaks, their mantles, their tiny purses, their polished mirrors and gaudy chemisettes, their turbans and diaphanous veils. Then, instead of fragrance, there will be stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of curled hair, baldness. Instead of tailored gowns, a sackcloth. Her men will fall by the sword, her valiant heroes in battle. And her gates will sadly mourn while Zion lay ravaged and desolate. And seven women will cling to one man, saying, We will furnish our own bread and provide our own clothes, if only you let us come under your name and free us from reproach. This is an unusually realistic description of the evils current in the 8th century Jerusalem. Judah's princes and her women contributed greatly to the fall of their nation. Did not the prophet throw some light on our times? Our leaders and our women, too, contribute their share to the spiritual ills of mankind. The censure, then, should not surprise us. If the kingdom of God is to be ours, the way must be made ready. If the physician of souls is to come, our sores must be recognized. But let us try to bring out the positive side to the censure. In our Advent Kyrie, we will include this petition. You who are coming, give us good leaders and worthy women. Our two great models, Christ and his mother, can keep a people healthy and inspire them to heights of virtue. Blessed Ildefonso Schuster remarks on the texts of the Mass formulary for the Feast of St. Andrew, This is what he has to say about the post-communion. In the post-communion, we entreat the divine mercy that the Eucharistic sacrifice, which gives joy in heaven, where it increases the glory of the saints, 
may also be on earth, a pledge of grace especially for us poor sinners. We have received divine mysteries, O Lord, rejoicing in the festival of blessed Andrew, and we beseech thee that, as they bring glory to thy saints, so they may avail us for pardon from thee. Such is the Catholic life of the Church, the true image of the ineffable life of the Blessed Trinity, which Tertullian calls the first and most ancient Church, unity and multiplicity, multiplicity of souls but unity of faith, of sacraments, and of the Holy Ghost, in one mystical body, that of Jesus Christ. Thus the same sacrament, which is offered on the altar, whilst it diffuses the dew of pardon, gladdens the blessed in the triumph of their glory, and is a font of grace to the church suffering and the church militant. This is the inner and deeper meaning of today's post-communion prayer. <laughs> 